Welcome to Twin Peaks Radio, the show where we remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, real mystery can't be solved, not completely, it's always just out of reach, like a light around the corner. You might catch a glimpse of what it reveals, feel its warmth, but you can't know the heart of it, not really, that's what gives it value, it can't be cracked, it's bigger than you and me, bigger than everything we know. I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black, and today, where are we? I think we're like 13 minutes into the show. Sarah Palmer crying. Sheriff Truman approaching Leland. I love that it was sort of unspoken. And looking at this moment, knowing what comes later, it's interesting how Leland reacts. In the moment, who are our suspects? We don't have suspects yet. I guess we're about to have one. Heidi's late for work. Bobby is somewhere. We don't know where. He's a suspect. Is Leland a suspect? Not here. No. Maybe Ben, as he walks in, says, Leland, we're ready to go with the contracts. Leland, what's wrong? What's great is this moment, as Leland says, my daughter is dead, is it's hard to imagine either of these men murdered her last night. This is early in the morning, because Bobby gets up at five to go running. It always bothered me. I didn't realize until now, we're not there yet, but Shelly's just getting off work. The school day hasn't started yet. It's like seven in the morning, which means the double R... It's open all night, just like Haps. So where are we? We don't have suspects yet. We got a few maybes, but we don't have any reason to suspect anyone yet, other than Bobby. He's the only one that we know not where he's supposed to be. We know Bobby hasn't been going to practice, but that's been not just this morning, but many mornings. So that maybe makes him less of a suspect. He's got something going on, and he's about to be let off the hook because he's having an affair with Shelly. Just to finish up that Sarah Palmer moment, that's a great shot. The camera follows the phone cord down as Leland dropped it, and we hear Sarah, and then we cut to her in her house. One last shriek. She pulls at her hair. And then we're at the Double R Diner, which is where I wanted to be today. Heidi enters. We don't know Heidi. She's played by Andrea Hayes, who hasn't done a lot of acting, 18 credits. And recently, just in the last few years, from 2018 to 2021, was at 16 credits as a producer of short films. She's also been a costume designer on a bunch of different short films. She got into a, a mode, I guess, after the return. Her bio on IMDb is kind of long, surprisingly. When Andrea was about seven years old, she watched The Ghost and Mr. Chicken for the first time. Got lots of them. Nice. While other kids were afraid of the bloody organ scene and had nightmares, Andrea and her siblings tried to recreate the set in their basement. I had the bright idea of using my mom's red nail polish on my fingers making bloody fingerprints on our Hammond organ. <laughs> nice. Mom was both impressed with the creativity shown and upset that the organ now had bloody fingerprints. This led to a lifetime of appreciation for the sets, props, and makeup associated with horror films. Her mother also found a local haunted house that allowed children to volunteer. She and her siblings, that were old enough, jumped to the chance. Basically blamed my mom for encouraging this fascination with what scares people. Andrea went to school originally for technical theater costume emphasis. She got interested in film while studying at MSU. They had a great film program. After graduation, Andrew moved to Seattle and was working in a local theater and the independent film scene in the area in the 1980s and early 90s. Fed up with how people at the beginning of the AIDS crisis were being treated, she took a course in how to home care for them and found another calling. She went back to school to study nursing while working full-time. Her role as Heidi on the David Lynch series Twin Peaks helped her to go to nursing school full-time. Fast forward over 25 years and due to injuries sustained in an assault, Andrea had to semi-retire from nursing. Coincidentally, Twin Peaks Return was being filmed, and she reprised her role of Heidi. I was able to thank David for helping me through nursing school. He was touched. Back to her first love, 
Andrea teamed up with the people at Cascadia Dread to produce several horror shorts. All my years as a charge nurse really helped me become a good producer as I see minute details. I also joke that I put out fires before they start. Andrea formed Smarticle Productions for any non-horror films the group wanted to do. She continues her love of haunted houses by volunteering for Nile Nightmares for the past 10 years. I had to pause because her personal quote on IMDb is, you can lead a horticulture, but you can't make her think. And that is, that's wrong, that's bad. Anyway, what goes on? We don't know that this is the double R diner. It's got two R's over the cafe sign. But it also has that big T in the mar, which I'll get to next time, because I'm about to get distracted. It's a warning. Car arrives. Cut to inside. We don't know this is Bobby, but it's Bobby. How quickly do they establish that this is Bobby? Does someone say his name? Yeah, Norma does. Shelly, making jokes at Heidi's expense. What kept you, Heidi? Seconds on Knockworth this morning. Heidi, with their old German accent, says I couldn't get my car started. Shelly says, too busy jump-starting the old man, huh? Heidi giggles, walks in to go to work. Bobby says, I thought you Germans were always on time. Why are you connecting her to Nazis? He's over here drinking coffee because he murdered his girlfriend a few hours ago. Right? We don't know that, but he's my first suspect. Norma says, I thought the only time you cared about Bobby was making time. And Bobby asks, you headed out, Shelly? Yeah, I'm heading home. I'm going to practice. I can drop you by your place on the way. That'd be great. Thanks. And Norma, she knows what's going on. Of course. Bobby pays with some loose change. He approaches the jukebox on his way out and says, here's a tune for your gals. Okay, Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. She says, not if I see you first. He says, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Their flirting is almost, I was going to say it sounds scripted, it is scripted, but it sounds scripted, but it also sounds inaccurate, like the lines don't go with each other. And he puts on the song, I'm hurt bad. But as he leaves, I get distracted because I wanted to talk about the double R, because I'm not sure when it'll come up again, and like the history of it. Probably it'd be better once Hank's around, because I immediately get distracted by Hank. In particular, a line from The Secret History about Hank's father, Emil Jennings. Emil's uncle Morgan died in 1916 when he fell down drunk in a Spokane street after a three-day bender and was run over by a beer wagon. <laughs> Hank's mother, Jolene, was a hard-working, hash-slinging waitress at the Double R for 35 years. Hank was her only child with Emil, and Jolene doted on him filling him with a confidence that surpassed the borders of his actual qualities by a wide margin. Which Hank isn't even in this scene. But worse, I get sidetracked by Emil Jennings. And I'm trying to figure out what else there is about him and Jolene, the history of the double R, and a lot of that I'm going to save till next week, because Google thinks I'm looking up Emil Jennings. And I don't know if this is deliberate, because it's Mark Frost who gives Emil his name, right? I don't think they ever mention him in the show. Emil Jennings, born Theodore Friedrich Emil Janins, 23rd July 1884. He's a German actor, popular in the 1920s. He was the first recipient of the Academy Award for Best Actor for his roles in The Last Command and The Way of All Flesh. He's the only German ever to have won the category. He also never gets mentioned by the Academy. We'll start with the nice. Jennings was born in Rorschach, Switzerland, the son of Emil Janins, an American businessman from St. Louis and his wife, Margaret, originally from Germany. Jennings held German citizenship. While he was still young, the family moved to Leipzig in the German Empire, and further to Gorlitz. 
after the early death of his father. Jennings ran away from school and went to sea. When he returned to Gorlitz, his mother finally allowed him to begin a traineeship at the town state theater, where Jennings started his stage career. From 1901 onwards, he worked with several theater companies in Bremen, Nuremberg, Leipzig, Konigsberg, and Glogau, before joining the Deutsches Theater Ensemble under director Max Reinhardt in Berlin. Permanently employed since 1915, Jennings met with playwright Karl Wohlmuller, fellow actor Ernest Lubitsch, and photographer Frieda Ries. Jennings was a theater actor who went into films, though he remained dissatisfied with the limited expressive possibilities in the silent era. Having signed a contract with the UFA production company, he started The Ogen der Mumia Mia, The Eyes of the Mummy, 1918, and Madame du Barry, 1919. He also performed in the 1922 film version of Othello, and in F.W. Murnau's 1924 film, The The Last Laugh, as a proud but aged hotel doorman who was demoted to a restroom attendant. Jennings worked with Murnau on two other films, playing the title character in Tartuffe and as Mistopheles in Faust. His increasing popularity enabled Jennings to sign an agreement with Paramount Pictures and eventually follow his acting colleagues to Hollywood. He started his career in 1927 with The Way of All Flesh, directed by Victor Fleming, now lost. What, the film is lost? <gasps> wow. And in the following year, performed in Joseph von Sternberg's The Last Command. In 1929, Jennings won the first Best Actor Oscar for his work in both films. Dot, dot, dot. Now, according to Susan Arleen in Rin Tin Tin The Life and the Legend, Jennings was not actually the winner of the first Best Actor vote, but the runner-up. This is from The Independent. 14th January 2020, The Nazi Shame of the First Ever Best Actor Winner at the Oscars by Martin Chilton. When the ballot results came in to decide the first winner of the Oscar for Best Actor, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences realized they faced a tricky problem. The actor who had collected the most votes was actually a dog called Rin Tin Tin, <laughs> who had starred as Rinty in popular films such as A Dog of the Regiment and Jaws of Steel. The film board were concerned that awarding the first statuette to a canine would hardly give credibility to their new awards. To avoid appearing to be barking mad, Chilton loves his puns, they diverted the 1929 Oscar to Emil Jannings. Looked at through the long lens of history, the decision backfired. A committee who were so worried about the embarrassment of honoring a dog ended up commemorating a man whose career ended in ignominy as a reviled propagandist for Adolf Hitler. The Oscars snubbed a German shepherd and got a Nazi poodle instead. He starred in several films which were intended to promote Nazism, including Der Alt und der Hunger König, The Old and the Young King, 1934, Der Herrscher, The Ruler, 1937, Om Kruger, 1941, and Die Antlassung, 1942. Minister of Propaganda Joseph Goebbels named Jennings an artist of the state, Stadtschlauspieler. At the end of the Second World War, with Hitler and his Minister of Propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, dead, Jennings is said to have rushed toward the Allied troops marching into Berlin, clutching his golden statuette, and yelling, Don't shoot! I have won an Oscar! He was not imprisoned, but his reputation was in tatters. The man once considered the world's greatest actor never worked again. He retired to Strobel near Salzburg, Austria, became an Austrian citizen in 1947. He died in 1950, age 65, from liver cancer. His Best Actor Oscar is on display at Berlin Film Museum. There was a fictional version of Jennings in Quentin Tarantino's film, Inglorious Bastards. And in the 1972 film Cabaret, Sally Bowles mentions that she was a friend 
of Emil Jannings in order to impress someone at a high society party. And we'll get to the double R next time. Remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, mystery is the most essential ingredient of life. Mystery creates wonder, which leads to curiosity, which in turn provides the ground for our desire to understand who and what we truly are. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Peaks Radio, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Twin Peaks Radio, or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. They also may not be what they seem, but they still serve an imperative function. They remind us to look into the darkness.